2: And welcome, welcome, welcome if you want to run with the Game Changers. I promise you're in the right place. We're welcoming back a panel who are veterans of Coffee Break with Game Changers on a very familiar and very always timely topic. We're talking about data security breaches. I know, ouch, still scares us. But today we're going to talk about your digital transformation security first. There, I hope I've hooked you to listen to the whole show. So let's get started. The Buzz Today, and Y O U. I'm going to ask Vanna White for a vowel any second now on Wheel of Fortune. So, DBT, Digital Business Transformation, touches everything and everyone today. We're talking hardware, we're talking software, business processes, revenue models, and especially you and me and all of us as people and our 24-7, 365 or 366 Attitudes. If you're an employee, let's just take a, a sampling, a warehouse picker, a salesperson in the field, and I know we have many of you around the world listening in, a delivery van driver, maybe even a taxi driver, although I'm not sure what's happening to the taxi industry. How will DBT affect you, hence DBT and YOU? Some of the answers may be obvious. You probably are thinking of them right now. Others, eh, not so much. So we have a wonderful panel back for the fifth time on this topic and they're going to explore the gamut and enlighten us. So first up, I'm very pleased to welcome back Richard McCammon. That's M-C-C-A-M-M-O-N. He is with DeLego Software and Richard sent me a fascinating quote from Robert M. Persig. I'll spell that P-I-R-S-I-G. If you're scratching your head and saying, is that somebody I'm supposed to know? I think you might. He is the author of Zen, and the art of motorcycle maintenance and inquiry into values. And just a little trivia here, Richard, please indulge me. Uh, because Robert M. Persig was a precocious child, Richard, I may be shocking you here, he had an IQ of 170 at age 9. Hello? Hello? Robert skipped several grades and was enrolled at the Blake School in Minneapolis. He got a high school diploma in 1943, He was very young, and entered the University of Minnesota to study biochemistry that year. In his book, he describes the central character, who some people say represents Robert, as being far from a typical student interested in science as a goal rather than a career. Here's the quote. Is it hard? Not if you have the right attitudes, it's having the right attitudes that's hard. Richard McCammon, Happy New Year. How are you?
3: I'm doing fairly well. Um, you'll, for those who have been on these shows before, you'll notice that uh, I've got a bit of a cold, so I apologize right off the gate, go for that.
2: You don't have to apologize. You're here, you showed up, that's all that counts and it's all about attitude according to to Mr. Persig, the author. So tell me, are you a big fan of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance and are you shocked that the author had an IQ of 170 at age nine? Talk to me, Richard.
3: I I, I mean, the book is fantastic. I've, I think I've read that book three times and probably going to go four and five yet. Um, every time I read that book, it's it's amazing. Uh, um, and uh, an IQ of 170 actually doesn't surprise me the, the insights that uh, Mr. Persig has brought to, uh, to the world through uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance is just, just absolutely amazing it is, it's very curious about the, uh, the storyline because it reflects an awful lot of what his life story is as well and the, uh, the search for quality and the, the zen of the, uh, the whole experience of quality and assurance it's, it's a fascinating book
2: And so let's talk about that particular quote you picked. Is it hard? Not if you have the right attitudes. And I notice attitudes is plural here, Richard, which intrigues me because usually we say, hey, he's got a bad attitude or attitude adjustment, you know, Friday night, happy hour or whatever they do these days. It's having the right attitudes that's hard. How does that apply to our topic? Because we're talking about something that still makes people say, ouch, and oh, I hope it doesn't affect me, my company, data security breaches. So can you apply that for me, please?
3: Well, I think particularly with respect to the uh, the specific topic we've got today of the digital business transformation, I think it's really really important that people take the the right attitudes. And you're quite right; it's, it's plural because the it's not just important that we have the right attitude towards, oh, say, data security or any other specific areas we've got. We have to have the right attitude all the way through what we're doing. We have to have the right attitude with the people we're dealing with because it's going to be very difficult for people to do these transitions. Um, you know, you go onto the shop floor where technology is has been a big part of that world, but it's even going to get bigger and bigger. And you go all the way up to the CFO, CEO, and right up to the boardroom, all of them are going to be uh, existing through uh, this transformation. And so everybody has to bring to it the right attitude, and and not just the right attitude for the digital digital transformation itself, but the right attitude towards employees, towards uh, the difficulties that people are going to go through, towards vendors, customers, everybody that's going to be experiencing this. And so it's really, really important that, particularly through uh, DBT, we make sure that we carry with us an open and accessible uh, mind.
2: Thank you. I like that. So we're going to open our minds today. I appreciate that. And who better than you? And I'll name your next colleague on the panel. It's Hillel Zafir, Z-A-F-I-R, HMS Technology Group. I believe he's based in Brooklyn, New York. I'll tell you a little side story in a moment, Hillel. And Hillel is quoting JFK John F. Kennedy, known familiarly as Jack. He lived from 1917, unfortunately left us in an assassination on November twenty second, 1963. And, yes, I do know exactly where I was that day. It was part of part of the history of people in my baby boomer era. And if you're wondering what's so special about JFK, well, he might have been taken from us too soon. But during his time as the 35th president of the U.S. from 1961 just until November 63, uh, during his presidency, a lot of major things happened like the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Bay of Pigs invasion, the nuclear test ban treaty, the establishment of the Peace Corps, the developments in the Space race. The building of the Berlin Wall, the Civil Rights Movement, the New Frontier Domestic Program, the abolition of the federal death penalty in the District of Columbia, and unfortunately increased U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, and I will not go into that. And here's the quote Hillel has selected from the vast lore of JFK. There are risks and costs to a program of action, but they are far less than the long-range cost of comfortable in action. Hillel, Happy New Year. How are you?
4: Thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, thanks for joining us. I know you've been busy traveling and heads down on your business, but you took the time to select a really interesting quote from JFK. So why don't you apply it for us to the topic of the day? We're still talking about data security breaches and now the digital business transformation. What do you say?
4: So I want to focus on the specific word, the comfortable in action. Mm -hmm. And... I love taking people out of their comfort zone. Uh, It challenges them. It challenges people to think. It obviously brings a lot of emotion. Uh, And digital business transformation is one of those topics that, uh, in my line of work, I see a lot of emotion. Emotion in and around people afraid of, are they becoming irrelevant? Uh, Are they being taken over by the robots? Are the droids coming? So this comfort of being in your zone where you're, you know what you do, you're, you're used to your paper, you're used to your processes, any time we challenge that comfort, there's a lot of emotion that comes to the table. And by dealing with that emotion and understanding and explaining, and I'm all about education. Educating the, uh, in, like Richard said, top the top four. You know, you're dealing with people that have a certain way of doing things, they're used to a certain way of doing things, they're afraid of their job security but we need to educate them and you know, involve them in the discussion, and that's been my theme all along. Educate the users, educate the consumers, educate the business owners that this is not, a, this is not your enemy. EBT is something that is necessary to be done, and that's the essence of this quote.
2: Okay. Thank you very much. And the little side note I promised you, Hillel, is last night on my live television program, Something to Talk About TV, I interviewed the co-authors of a very interesting, I call it a dangerous memoir, Crooked Brooklyn. If you're not aware of it, you might want to get it. Look it up on Amazon. I spoke with Michael Vecchione and Jerry Schmetterman and very interesting gentlemen about uh, Michael's life as a DA in Brooklyn, head of the Rackets Division. And if you want to know where the bodies are buried? You gotta gotta get that book. I will, and I'll send you the link to watch the show once I post it on Vimeo. I I think you will get a real kick out of it from uh, your your perspective as a New Yorker. So thank you very much, L. Welcome back to the the triumvirate here, and rounding out the panel is Gerlinda Zabulski, Z-I-B-U-L-S-K-I. If you want to Google her, she's with SAP, and she sent me a wonderful quote from Douglas MacArthur. By the way, MacArthur was an American five-star general, and the field marshal of the Philippine Army. He was chief of staff of the United States Army during the 1930s and played a prominent role in the Pacific Theater during World War II. And here's the quote, so appropriate, there is no security on this earth, only opportunity. I want to say amen to that. Gerlinda, Happy New Year to you as well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining us. I I very rarely have the same panel back five times on extensions and permutations of the same topic, so I'm very excited to have the three of you back. Gerlinda, you're calling from Germany today, right?
5: That's correct. It's 5 p.m. I'm sitting in the SAP offices in the headquarters in Germany.
2: Well, when we get to the part about what's in your cup, we want to know what you're drinking after work today because you're almost done, I think. I think, although knowing SAP as I do, you might have a couple more hours left. So, Gerlinda, talk to me about this quote from MacArthur, there is no security on this earth, only opportunity. What does this mean to you and And to our topic?
5: If I compare it to Richard's, then I'd say, well, this is one of the attitudes or the right attitudes that you should have in regards to um, security and also digital business transformation, um, there is, and we discussed this on other panels before, there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of threats, undoubtedly, and a lot of people are getting um, uh, anxious um, about what security risks new technologies might bring, especially with all the advancements in robotics and um, artificial intelligence and big data that can be mined um, but I wanted to uh, wanted to switch the perspective and get people more to, to to really think about with every threat with every risk there is also opportunity and there is also um, there will be new services there will be new opportunities, and there will be also um, opportunities for more security so we shouldn 't just look we in german we say we shouldn 't just only count the red traffic lights we also have to count mm-hmm. the green traffic lights. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, I like that. I like that. And if you wait long enough, as Hillel knows in New York City, if you wait long enough, there'll be a little bit of a glimmer of a green traffic light, but it won't be there. It won't be there for a very long. Same thing here on Long Island. Thank you, Gerlinda. I'm just going to insert here before we go around the table on what's in your cup today. I just Googled Data Breach Risks 2016. I didn't know what I was going to get, but I found an article, uh, January 7, 2016, so very recent, a look at the top data breach risks Companies face in 2016, and just let me read very quickly here. Uh, apparently, SpiceWorks asked IT pros to predict how these threats would manifest themselves, and the entry points ah will be laptops, company-owned or BYOD (bring your own to work), desktops, smartphones, servers, and the server room, IoT devices, wireless access points, tablets, and routers or switches. And to address these vulnerabilities, respondents said, and, and I, I can't wait to hear what the panel has to say about this, they would update their hardware and software, okay, they would enforce end-user policies, Hillel, I know that's something you'd like to talk about, they would educate users, yes, Hillel, and restrict access to sensitive data. I'm not sure if these are the answers, but anyway, before we talk about what you're drinking, anybody want to comment on what I just read? Richard or Hillel or Galinda, any comments on on this these findings?
3: How you going
5: how you gonna patch something like a, if we're talking about sensors there are sensors that are 30 years old they don't speak mm-hmm. standard protocols yes. HTTP I think is not wasn't even known 30 years before how are you gonna patch that sensor and how are you gonna gonna go to make sure that the patch is really a security patch and from the vendor and not from a malicious intruder that's mm-hmm. where the tricky part is but
2: there are opportunities. But- Yep, <laughs> there, there were green lights and there are somewhere opportunities. Who else did I hear? Richard, you want to say something, please?
3: Yeah, in the payment card industry, we're trying to approach that from the, uh, the PCI standards, the payment card industry standards. The revision three that came out in June last year uh, addressed specifically um, the, the workstations, tablets, everything that's at the front end now is all now considered to be part of scope. And that's going to introduce uh, new challenges. Uh, new technologies are going to have to come along. To uh, Gerlinda's point earlier is that we're going to see uh, new technologies come along. So there are new opportunities because these things do get introduced. So there are steps that are being taken in the industry to, to try and solve exactly the, the puzzles or the, the, the vectors that are being talked about in that, that article.
2: Thank you, Hillel. Any comments from you? I want to read one more thing from the article, but Hillel, any thoughts?
4: Yes, absolutely. So you said the the keyword, and I'm 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 all for the education part. And, mm-hmm. and what we see a lot is the users are rejecting uh, any layers of security that we put in front of them as a disruption that does the business. It takes too long. It it, it it doesn't solve the problem. It makes it difficult. It makes it complicated. And what ends up happening is that the uh, operations, uh, you know, the top floor, the uh, C-level suite says users are right. They've got to be able to write orders fast. They've got to be able to access data fast. Having to log into VPNs, logging onto VPNs, off VPNs, this becomes a nuisance. And so long as that's the uh, attitude up top, uh, and again, the attitude is important here too, that's going to be a big challenge for us.
2: Thank you. And the one thing I want to read here, according to this same Spiceworks survey, uh, maybe it's another one, battling the big hack is a top concern for 2016, and guess what? Malware. That led the way, with 54% of their respondents to the survey citing it as very or extremely concerning, followed closely by ransomware at 53%, phishing dropped to 46%, and data leaks or threat theft, only 39%. Uh, maybe that is a surprise. So malware at 54%, ransomware at 53 and the end of the list is data leak or theft. Very, very interesting. Now I think we all need a break, a refresher here, so let's circle back to Richard McCammon. Richard, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking? Or if it's just a boring cup of tea or coffee, you know, tell me a story. What would you rather be drinking?
0: <laughs>
3: Okay, well, I'm in, I'm back at the headquarters today, so I'm in London, uh, not traveling, uh, so keeping it keeping it local. But my story isn't so local. I used to travel a great deal to Finland, both on business and for personal reasons, and still travel there on personal business. But uh, way back when, uh, I remember going to a, uh, a ski camp up in uh, the northern part of Finland, and of course, we'd been skiing cross-country skiing mainly. Spent the day outside. It was cold. We were all cold. Come in, do what Finns do. In, in the wintertime, we went to sauna. Uh, had a great time in the sauna. But, of course, uh, when you're in sauna, you, you either have beer or you have some other beverage, uh, typically not tea. Uh, the one that I want to talk about today is called Pontica. And Pontica mm-hmm. is Finnish moonshine. And it is basically three... Times through the distillation column, and it is just pure vodka. It's a vodka (laughs) made from grain, made from anything else, but it just burns all the way down. It is, it's pure alcohol in its finest form. And uh, uh, so, just imagine sitting outside, uh, because of course, when you're in in the sauna, you you're in the hot spot. You can't be drinking in there; it's too cold. So you go outside. It's minus twenty. You've got this uh, liquor that is basically flame in a glass, and <laughs> drinking that. And, uh, it's just—it's a wonderful experience. You have to experience the cold and the heat in order to truly enjoy uh, a Finnish sauna.
2: Wow. Can you spell that for me? I'm very intrigued. I'm not familiar with it, but it sounds caustic. I didn't say toxic. I said <laughs> caustic, or shall we say wow. That'll cure what ails you, Richard. How do you spell that? Any clue?
3: P-O-N-T-I. Yes. KKA Pontica.
2: All right. All right. I'm going to look that up while we're t- while we're uh, during the show when I get a second here. Thank you very much. And uh, we're very happy to have you. You're calling from London. I'm surprised. Uh, I I would have given you a conference line to call. So, thank you very much. And let's turn to Hillel. What's in your cup today, Hillel? Anything Brooklyn-ish or I know you've been traveling all over the world. What 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 have you been drinking?
4: Uh, so now I'm just drinking a, a basic uh Green tea, just to, to keep warm in this uh, nice uh, New York weather. Um, but what I would like to be drinking is, I actually just came back from Israel and I visited a winery uh, called Psago, it's spelled P-S-A-G-O-T. Um, this is a, they have. I had a Cabernet uh, Sauvignon, beautiful Cabernet, uh, 14 months aged uh, Cabernet. They aged it inside of caves that they found in. You know, next to the winery, and uh, the humidity of these caves just produces a fabulous wine. And loved, uh, loved, really loved every every uh, sip of it.
2: Wow! And what was the label on that? Did you you said the name of the winery? Can you repeat that it's, for me? I just it's want. It's
4: Psagot. It's P S A G O T.
2: Sago. Okay, thank you very much. Sounds interesting. Gerlinda, I don't know what you're drinking, but boy, we've had some interesting beverages here. You want to regale us with your own story, please? <laughs> I will have a hard time beating that. <laughs> I'm drinking plain old water. <laughs> so,
5: um, yeah, that um I just decided I had four cups of coffee already today. Actually, I had five, and one of them was a really big (laughs) size. So I decided. True confessions
2: with game changers. All right, what kind of coffee? You have to tell me. Tell me something. What kind of coffee were you drinking that was so good you had five cups?
5: (laughs) Well, um, at home we
2: uh, regular, good, strong German
5: coffee, and here coffee in the offices at SAP. Um, so I really don't know what brands they use here, but I think they use Fairtrade coffee as far as I, I can tell. Mm-hmm. So it's it, they they change, but um, well to start beating the boys here on this call, um, <laughs> I, say I drive up. Uh, I drive up to the uh, airport in Frankfurt to pick up my boyfriend's brother who will come for a visit, and my boyfriend and his brother are both British and um, half Scottish, half Northern English. And we have like a, I don't know. We, I mean, we could throw whiskey seminars at home. Uh, we have all the equipment <laughs> plus all the booze, so I think we're going to have the long night of the whiskey tonight at home. But I will try to be very careful because I got to work tomorrow. <laughs>
2: Well, we are very pleased with your caution, and by the way, uh, as the three of you know, they don't let me have anything caffeinated on radio show days, but I have a little secret. My daughter sent me a beautiful red, that's the color of my kitchen, that's the color of my hair, that used to be the color of my car, okay, enough with that, a red Nespresso Line machine, which takes these capsules that come in the most gorgeous colors and about 150 capsules of everything from intenso espresso to uh, combination coffees mostly decaf though she's very smart sent me mostly decaf and it even has the Aeroccino frother machine that comes in the package as well it's a separate separate thing that just does wonderful things with one percent milk and makes it frothy and foamy so after the show i will probably indulge in something that might be a half calf but for right now cool clear water and today I've got a light pink straw hoping that we get some sunshine here and uh, Hillel apparently we're in for a nor'easter this weekend so batten down the hatches get your supplies get your Israeli wine in the the cooler or the wine cellar because apparently we're going to take a weather beating this weekend so guess what Now that we've had our little coffee break, we're going to give everybody a break for about 60 seconds and we're going to come back and open our roundtable with with Richard McCammon and we'll get lots of input from Hillel Zafir and Gerlinda Zabulski and we have great things to share with you on our special topic today, Data Security Breaches Part 5, Your Digital Transformation, Security First. You don't want to miss these words of wisdom. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and I plan to be after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that app that dial. We'll be right back. Justin out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformation. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.com.
2: We are speaking with Richard McCammon, Hillel Zafir, and Gerlinda Zabulski. We're talking about your digital transformation from the perspective of data security and breaches. And our mantra for today is security first. How does it touch you as a person, human being? How does it touch your company? How does it touch the world? What are we going to do about it? So we're going to kick off the roundtable with some notes here from Richard McCammon. And let me start reading. And then Richard will expand and we'll get our other panelists' input. Richard says... Since every machine will be a computer on the network, and every machine will have an operator, and every operator is human and prone to mistakes, dot dot dot, the number of security vulnerabilities will increase exponentially. You're scaring me, Richard. Talk to me.
0: Well, this
3: goes back to even the, the lead article you were talking about at the uh, at the beginning of the uh, the show. Uh, where data breaches are going to happen, the, the vectors are, are multiplying because what's happening is people are putting malware on a computer. So think of, think of where we're at today. Everybody's got a computer on their desk. Everybody's got a computer that they access. Uh, Hillel has, has identified in previous shows the whole concept of the inter- Internet of Everything and how that introduces uh, potential breaches and vectors into uh, to, to the, to those breaches. So what we're talking about here is uh, think of the shop floor. Uh, we now have all the CAD CAM. We have all of the uh, all of the equipment that's tied now to the network where it used to stand alone. We have it all tied to the network. We have everything from uh, in, you go shopping the, the the registers that the that you pay, you know, the cash registers, all of those, they're all tied into the, into the internet, if not just the local network. So it, every touch point that we've got in, in society anymore is all now part of this global network. And particularly, as I said, as we move into the internet of things, we're going to be moving more and more into that. Start bringing malware into that. Start bringing all of the, uh, the, the, the software that is driving it and that can be hacked and develop uh, security breaches through there. That just means that as we put more and more equipment on those networks, we've got more and more vulnerabilities, and people are going to take advantage of those vulnerabilities. So, what we saw before as just people working at their desks and protect, you know, protecting those those equipments, uh, maybe the uh, uh, as was mentioned, the, the wireless access points, those sorts of things. Now we have to look at everything that people are doing, right down to, in our own homes, the, the refrigerator that's counting the number of times we take the milk out of the fridge.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Richard. Hillel, thoughts on this? Agree, disagree oh, with this, just, this exponentially it, increased?
4: It's everywhere. It really is. It's mm-hmm. in the cars, it's in the healthcare. it's in the, uh, your, your refrigerator, it's in your TV, it's in your home security. It's all over. It really is. It's, it's 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 amazing. My my father-in-law just went through a, a uh, you know a surgery and, and, and uh, a bypass surgery on on, on uh, some of his heart valves. And while he was in the hospital, I was watching all the sensors that he was hooked up to. There are mm-hmm. no more cables. They're all wireless. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It, it, it's everything that happens now is is going is becoming a piece. You know, is a is a sensor or a information device whether it's the wristband checking your blood pressure or your 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 uh, i mean it, it's all over the place and the scary part of it is that i don't you know most of these companies they all they all their concern is is how do we make it a functional device and get you know out of it what we want but the security component is completely forgotten and it's it's really scary
2: well, hello, let me ask you, before I get Gerlinda in this conversation, are, is our, literally, our head in the clouds, I know that's a double entendre, but is our head in the clouds in terms of, wow, look at this, somebody's hooked up to all these devices, wirelessly think of the opportunities for tracking the the pulse and the heart rate and all mm-hmm. of the vital signs and we don't have to have all these dangerous cables all across the floor and look at all these advances in healthcare and who is minding the store saying, way? wait a minute you just opened the door to un- unethical breaches you un- opened the door to people's personal data being leaked and tapped into and hacking what if your father or father-in-law is a famous person and somebody wants to report it to the daily news what his heart rate is right now after surgery so hello any thoughts is our head on the clouds and then Girlinda, of course i want you to comment on this
4: The answer is absolutely ahead in the clouds. And like I said, the the thought process of the developers uh, or the companies marketing these products is, is about usability. It's about how to have that big, fancy monitor in the nurse's station so they can see exactly every time the patient sneezes. And that's great. We're not saying don't do that. We're saying absolutely go for it. But let's please understand the risk of everything, every bit of information. And every time you add another few bits and bytes to your to your databases, is another opportunity for someone to see what's going on. So absolutely, it's in the cloud and pun intended.
2: Pun intended. Thank you very much. It was intentional. I appreciate that. Gerlinda, thoughts on what Richard started and Hillel added on to? What do you see?
5: Yeah, so I agree that everything will be connected to everything. Um, uh, This includes um, sensors, computers, um, but I don't agree to the statement that every machine will have an operator. I think that um, we would see a lot more now going on in terms of well, self-healing is the wrong term, but um, self-fixing systems and automatically changing software that will include security vulnerabilities. Um, so we would see advances in artificial intelligence in that area. Um, and a lot of the security, I mean, some, quite quite many of the security misconfigurations are done by operators, but, I mean, the common most, one of the common most vulnerabilities is, is weak passwords still to mm-hmm. this day, so it's the, the end users. And then I think um, with all these devices and software that gets written for them, I mean, just the developers of the software will add vulnerabilities that will become will get exploited I think that the number of security vulnerabilities will rise but I hope not exponentially that might be very might very well be the case though
2: Thank you Gerlinda and and this is going to be a perfect segue into some comments from your notes but first I want to circle back to Richard McCammon and find out if you have anything you'd like to add to what Hillel and Ger- Gerlinda added to your statement. Richard?
3: Well I, I think Gerlinda and you know, I apologize for this but it the uh, I think you're taking too narrow a viewpoint on the on the definition of an operator. It may not be somebody that just sits in front of uh, a workstation or in front of a, a CAD CAM or in a you know a, a milling unit or something along those lines. I think if you take the definition and move it a little bit upstream, uh, there's another another topic that I was suggesting here that all of our employees are going to have to think more and do less. So if you take the wider definition of an operator, it's being one who's uh, applying the software to that device or uh, even developing the software that's going on that device, I think you're, you're going to take it. Uh, and, and, and those are the ones that are going to be making this, the mistakes. Those are the ones that are not going to be protecting us on an individual basis, as as Halil said, in the hospital so right. that that heart rate machine is going to actually uh, deliver that information to somebody I don't want to know.
5: Melinda, mm. I hear you, but I, but I think that a lot of those jobs will go, go, go away. This, these will be, in the future, we'll see way more jobs being done by robots like that. It's, it's going to be um, some kind of robot that will do that, not a, not a, a physical, not a human operator. But nece- this doesn't necessarily mean that the robot doesn't make any mistakes, so uh, <laughs> because the robot runs on software, too.
2: Well there there's my entry point. Thank you, Gerlinda. Let me read a couple items from your notes here and then we'll we'll go into this. A uh, couple things you've already alluded to this you said advancements in AI artificial intelligence will bring new challenges and opportunities. There's our keyword. For security, And then the one I really want to get to is robotics will significantly change our lives. And you reference here Jeremy Rifkin's book, The End of Work, and he just released a new book called Zero Marginal Society. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what he says and and how this applies to machines becoming hackable. What are we going to do about it, Gerlinda?
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, basically his, or Jeremy Rifkin's prediction is that we will run out of jobs. We will not have as many jobs as we used to have. And only, we will only have positions that really need a lot of thinking and a lot of training. And nothing that you, anything that you can't do with two hours of, of, of running a Google search or a search on the Internet um, that can be done by some kind of automatic robot, um, that's what's going away. Um, so, all the only very, very high end, very, very yeah, use of high, high, tech, high technology and high, high intelligence, such jobs will survive. And anything and everything will be automated, and we see this especially with, with moving to the cloud where uh, companies try to, to reduce costs by, by putting, their, putting remote servers somewhere into the cloud and automating as much as possible to, to run and administer these um, servers and computers as possible. So he already started this prediction in, 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 uh, in the 90s when I was studying economics back then. We read the end of work during my studies in one of the classes. And back then it was all about computers and how would, they would change the workforce and also take away a lot of jobs. But now with what we call the fourth industrial revolution, the prediction is that now really the change kicks in because now we are at a, at a place where Artificial intelligence is so advanced that we can hand over um, technology and jobs um, to robots i mean in, in Japan they are speaking of healthcare in japan they, they have um, they are experimenting with robots in um, in elderly care homes or care homes for the elderly so you don 't have nurses there you have uh, robots that uh, move around the people and administer an injection. Now, I can't really see how that, that's working, but, but it's definitely happening. Um, but we see this everywhere. I mean, um, 75% of all financial transactions, they are done without any human interventions. There's only computers bidding for shares, bidding at the, at the stock markets on something, on, on shares, and selling them. So nobody is in, um, interacting there. It's just it's just computers, it's just software, it's just uh, just uh, machines that do something. So we're we already there, and we will see much, much more self-driving vehicles. Just imagine, you don't need any truck drivers, you don't need any pilots, you don't need any taxi drivers anymore. Um, and that's basically what Jeremy Rifkin takes, all of these advancements in technology, and basically what he says, a lot of jobs will go away, and we will dramatically change with all of our society.
2: Thank you, Gerlinda. And here's an extra note in your notes you sent me. You say there will be a lot of job security in security. And you have the little (laughs) J smiley. Thank you very much. Now we know where we need to send our children and grandchildren to work in security. Richard, let me circle around to you. Thoughts on what Gerlinda just shared? Feel free to challenge each other. Keep it going. We love it.
3: Well, I guess Gerlinda is following on. Uh, uh, even what Stephen Hawking has been saying is, uh, watch out for artificial intelligence. It's it's going to be a a, a game changer, if you will. But the you know, the, I don't think that it it changes my perspective on the security at all. I mean, even if we've got those robots, ultimately they're going to be presenting. Uh, opportunities for us to to break through, because a lot of these robots won't necessarily have the security elements in. Same thing that uh, that Halil was saying earlier, that of all the equipment that was in the hospital, who's really watching to make sure that all of that is being handled in a secure fashion, that it's being deployed in a secure fashion, that the equipment itself is providing all of the, the necessary barriers to, to entry from a security perspective? So I think uh, this the whole AI concept only reinforces the, what we were talking about earlier, that this is, is going to introduce more and more points, uh, more and more vectors, where we can actually experience breaches.
2: Hillel, thoughts, please?
3: Yes.
4: Uh, I feel that AI itself needs AI. We need to have mm-hmm. the artificial <laughs> intelligence to manage artificial intelligence, because the, the realm of this, uh, you know, that like Linda said, a self-healing network, I mean, or the self-healing uh, technology, at the end of the day, you know, Richard's making a good point. The operator doesn't mean the person actually punching in the keys on the PLC on the shop floor. The operator can mean the person that developed the, the technology behind it, and he can be way, way, way upstream. Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll I'll quote uh, some of this, uh, you know, looking at uh, the, the, the movie RoboCop with... Um, Will Smith, where, you know, uh, the, the network was managed by, I think Vicky was the name of, the, of the, the, the network, which, you know, it felt that it was the right thing to do to uh, lock people up in their homes because they were a threat to themselves. So it's definitely an exciting discussion. It's purely, it purely, it probably provides fodder for anybody that believes in, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, weird um, conspiracy theories, but if that's where we're going... Hey, we better suit up because it's mm-hmm. going to be quite a ride.
2: It will be a ride. And, and, Richard, I want to go back to something I just found in your notes that piggybacks on what Gerlinda just said with a smile about the best job to have will be a job in security, job security, insecurity. You say the chief security officer will be second to the CEO, displacing the CFO. Now, those are very powerful words, Richard. Uh, talk to me, is this something you're observing as a trend? Is this a prediction? Where does this come from?
3: More prediction than anything else, but I see it as being a trend. I mean, we didn't even have a, uh, a, a defined CSO before, a chief security officer. That's a new title. We never even considered that. But when you consider the risks that are involved, and what the impact that it can have on a on a corporation, the chief security officer will be uh, key to try and eliminate and reduce and to basically protect the company much more than the CFO will. As much as my CFO, when I, I showed him what we were talking about today, he uh, just about leapt across the desk at me, saying, "No, this isn't going to happen." But the the fact of the matter is, if if the CFO were there because of the finances and that were such a large part of the corporation, then the chief security officer is going to have an even better position in the sense that it's going to be involved in much more protecting the corporation from much bigger risks than any CFO currently carries.
2: Hmm. Hillel, any thoughts on uh, the pecking order in the C-suite in terms of security? How high up do you think the, this person will go?
4: I think that uh, to take it a step further, I think the 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 search for a CEO will, you know, the the new the new uh, job description will have uh, a lot of information regarding, you know, understanding the security, understanding uh, how to manage it, and not just someone that's going to look for, you know, a CSO to give direction, but someone that can have some impact in the direction as well, because. Uh, You know, bringing on a CEO that has no security understanding, even for a non-technologically, you know, a a technology company, even a company that deals in brick and mortar, they will look for that type of skill because as the uh, security becomes a uh, more pertinent and more important point, they will become extremely relevant in how to shape the company's future. So... I'm not sure the CSO will, will replace the CFO in the pecking order, but I think the CEO himself is going to have to have some pretty deep knowledge in how, uh, and, and not necessarily in, in, in the exact uh, strategy, but that should be a forefront uh, uh, issue.
2: Thank you. And and I want to get into some ideas on new products and services that will be spawned by all of this. Gerlinda, I'm looking at your notes, and you say security analytics will bring new products and services. Uh Background and credit checks will become faster and more sophisticated. Intrusion detection systems will be enhanced with context data and data from yet unmined sources. And let's talk about that. What do you see coming down the pike? Is this already in development anywhere, Gerlinda?
5: Yeah, sure. I mean, um with all this accumulated data um i mean many of the big cloud providers they already search through that data and um they use that of course at the moment to advertise or to make money from advertisements um because of the context knowledge that they get from the from this data for for all the users to to finance their for free services but i mean um from a security perspective you can get way more information as well, right? You can um, analyze this and find out about new threats, um, find out about new um, security vulnerabilities faster. Um, so there is a whole—I mean, the, all of this, this whatever is in terms of analytics and big data with security. There will be there will be new products and services that that people um, can leverage and companies can leverage. It's just that. You'll, it's kind of like I mean um back in healthcare once you had MRTs you found a lot more sicknesses and illnesses faster and um well um a lot more and you found it faster.
2: Mhm. Thank you. Richard, thoughts on this? Are you you along with Gerlinda on this or you want to challenge it?
5: Well, I think, I think
3: Erlinda's right in one aspect of it, is that it's going to, I mean, big data is being mined right now. We're looking at a lot of different ways, but again, I'm going to uh, take the the security element to this and and introduce, I mean, we were always concerned at the security elements that, you know, uh, we'd be worried about credit card number or addresses or other personal information, but the problem with big data that's going to come along, and the more that we mine it and the more that we collect it and, and put it into these databases, is we're going to be presenting a lot more opportunities for people to get bigger data and use that big data against us in a lot of different ways. Uh, there's an excellent book out there, I can't remember the author right now, but it's, it's about uh, it's a Canadian author, science fiction, and it's all about somebody getting a hold of his, his uh, genetics, and using that against them in the insurance industry. So as we've got the big data that are out there, it's going to represent even bigger opportunities for people to get at the data and use it against us or for their own profits. And so big data is going to be wonderful for marketing and things like that and and used in that way, but right now we're only touching uh, the the tip of the iceberg. And as we get more and more data and we, we join it all together, through these analytics, it represents an even bigger capability f- for people to hack into and a bigger risk for each of us as individuals.
2: Hmm. Thank you very much. Hillel, thoughts on this? We've got about oh, about three minutes till we go into our formal crystal ball predictions round, but I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on what we just shared. Hillel?
4: So this whole predictive analytics uh, and predictive intelligence is definitely a, a huge market. Uh, I just don't know that it's going to happen as fast as we think it is. I think that there's still a huge cost for the massive amounts of data. Um, I think that what Galindo said before, because there's going to be some artificial intelligence here, uh, and when that comes to the forefront, I'm not sure that there are enough uh, companies out there that provide this. When you have this massive amount of data, and it comes from all different sources, we all think about how to monetize on it, right? How do we make this data work for us as a better marketing event, as a better selling event? How do I pair up a Product with a person, um, but the cost of doing that and the massive amount of data mining that is necessary is still a bit prohibitive for it to become a uh, you know so ubiquitous in the marketplace. So for the larger companies, yes, they're already using it, but for the small and medium-sized companies uh, and even the mid-sized, more mid-sized, because that's really where it's important, uh, they haven't yet jumped on the bandwagon when it comes to this thing. So. Uh, I think they're not even looking. The security part of it is not even. They're not even talking about it. They're just talking about how do we use this as a business model. So obviously, security always comes secondary to it. But it's it's difficult to see. You know, in, my, in in and I'm in this work line of work where I see the you know companies struggling with how to make better sales decisions and better marketing decisions, and they're still not talking about tapping into massive data sets um, to be able to you know to mine that for a better sales experience. So. I don't know if the security is definitely not in the forefront, but I think the actual usage of it is still not happening.
2: Thank you very much. Gerlinda, I just want to touch on one quick point, and we then we're going right to our predictions round. You say we're going to hear more about the hacking of sensors. We talked about that, but... What is cyber warfare? Are we in a cyber war right now? Is it something that's coming down the pike? If you want to do a prediction on that, Gerlinda, then you can start the crystal ball right now. But what's the status of cyber warfare in terms of hacking sensors and machines?
5: Yeah, I mean, every once in a while we hear about a new um, Stuxnet or Duco. Those were the names of famous, um, famous executables that um were used um, and introduced most prominently uh by or presumably presumably by the um intelligence uh, agencies of this world to um attack uh, production machines um in in countries or in adversaries and we will on a regular basis see something like that now i don't really i mean there are these doomsday scenario scenarios where it's said that we are already in a cyber warfare. I mean, it definitely happens. Um, but it's a sophisticated... Um, it's something very sophisticated. You have to have uh, a very intelligent, knowledgeable people, programmers, and people that can develop that, and you have to have a lot of money. So, and this is something that, that happens probably on a state basis by intelligence agencies um, and by very rich terrorist groups, maybe, but... Um, It'll happen, and we'll see it uh, a couple of times a year. Very prominent text. But I wouldn't really call it that we are at war right now, although mm-hmm. um, others might disagree to that
2: assessment. Okay, you know what? I We're we're going to consider that part of your predictions, unless you have more. But let me circle back to Richard. Richard, let me give you one minute for your predictions, then Hillel and Ger- Gerlinda, I will get back to you for the final word. So, Richard? I love the year 2020. It's just gotten closer because we're now in 2016. You can pick any time in the future that you can see clearly in the crystal ball. What's coming down the pike for data security, for vulnerabilities, for cyber war, anything you want to talk about? One minute, Richard, go.
3: Well, I think the vulnerabilities are going to increase, and and the ones I worry about are the ones that are going to affect me directly. So I think of all the changes that are happening in automobiles right now, uh, with the driverless cars and the, uh, you know, all the electronics that are in the cars, everything else. My greatest concern in the uh, 2020 vision is that people are going to be able to hack into those. We've already seen evidence of that. They've taken cars over while it's driving down the highway. And so I think what we're going to be finding is that there's going to be a lot more of that that's happening. So 2020 is going to get riskier and riskier as we open up ourselves to these, these greater hacks. And we never know where the, the attack vectors are going to happen. So I'm predicting that we're going to see a lot more hacks happening by 2020 and that those are going to affect us even more directly. Uh, right now, we lose a credit card. We're financially at risk. But now, uh, with all of these other new vectors, we could be physically at risk.
2: Mm, thank you very much. That's scary. Hillel Zafir. Talk to me. One minute predictions. Go.
4: So I have uh, my 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 some more predictions more of a wish um, that in specifically around the uh, massive data and how we're using it to monetize and you know it's something that I would like to see happen specifically around the healthcare. Uh, now, if you go ahead and you want to buy insurance for your car, they look at your driving records. How do you drive? How do you act? And based on that, they price you in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. My, I would more, again, more of a wish than a uh, crystal ball because obviously there's a lot of uh, uh, laws that we have to pass to be able to make this work. Is that medical insurance, because it's a hot topic and it's a major cost to businesses, Mm -hmm. should be priced based on human behavior. And we're hoping that because we have enough centers to monitor who you are and what you're doing and how you, uh, what your lifestyle is, uh, we'll be able to price you based on your behaviors. And that's going to be a huge cost savings to individuals.
2: Uh, Hillel, I think there's already a bank in Russia that will give you some kind of a Fitbit device and based on How often you exercise and how far you walk or run or whatever you're doing exercise-wise, they will give you some kind of a bonus on the interest on your savings account. That's been around for a couple of years, so I think you're right. We will see all kinds of benefits from being healthy. I've got to get up and go run as soon as this show is over, damn it. I want to get (laughs) some extra points on my account. Maybe I'll get some points off my mortgage. Gerlinda, you get the last word predictions. I'll give you one minute, and that's it. Go ahead, Gerlinda Zabulski
5: yeah I would like to come back to my um my quote yeah? so um there's no security there is but there are there's always opportunity, and we'll definitely see um security mechanisms, um, new security devices and new security technologies that will help make help get us into a secure uh, or help make the digital business transformation secure for um companies for big businesses as well as for the regular uh, citizens that live everywhere on this planet.
2: Thank you. That's a global statement, and I love that there's opportunity in them, our hills. Go seize it, someone and protect us and make us safer. Thank you so much, Richard McCammon. I hope you feel better, and go drink that, whatever it was that sounded wonderful, and sweat it out somewhere in a wonderful hot tub or wherever you're going. A sauna, and uh, Hillel? Welcome back from Israel, and thank you so much for participating in Gerlinda Zabulski. SAP Industries, always a pleasure to have you. The three of you rock together as a panel. Maybe we'll do part six. I don't know. Talk to me. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I have, let's see, a quick announcement here. We are launching some brand new series you don't want to miss coming up soon, The Future of the Future with Game Changers. Wow, that'll start next week. Then we have The Future of Cars. Talk about automatic, talk about robotics, talk about hackable, wow, future of cars with game changers, and we're adding a series called Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers, and digital industries changing the game, and I could go on and on, and I will eventually. Thank you to Justin and the Business Channel team, and here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt talking about cars. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.